All right. Well, I am thankful uh, to gather together once again, even though um, it's over podcast. Um, we do appreciate God's uh, giving us this opportunity to uh, gather with you and worship and fellowship with you in the Word. We're just so thankful for all that God's done and all that He's doing. And uh, we're continuing in prayer for all of those out there that um, are facing uh, dark times and difficult times. We know that uh, many friends and family, loved ones, everyone really is, is kind of in a dark place right now. But thankfully, the Lord allows us the opportunity to uh, come out of that dark place. And uh, it's just another valley in life. Uh, God knew that all we're dealing with is uh, something that before the foundation of the earth, he, he knew what would happen. He knew he, who would live and he knew who would die. And I'm thankful that we serve a mighty and powerful God that knows everything. And so we are, we're just thankful for him this evening and um, excited to, to dig into the word tonight into Proverbs chapter number five. Uh, I want to look over there, if you would uh, turn with me to Proverbs chapter number five. Um, just want to look into this scripture. And I know last time I spoke on here, um, we looked into Proverbs. And so uh, just had another message out of Proverbs I wanted to share with you. And so uh, just appreciate you uh, tuning in, and um, go, we'll go ahead and pray before we get started, and uh, we'll share the word and a few announcements uh, before we're finished. Lord, we love you. We thank you for yet another day. God, we thank you for another time uh, to gather together, whether um, we're on the road or at home or uh, whatever we may be doing, God. It's amazing that we have this opportunity, God, that you've given us this ability to gather together uh, one with another in spirit and in truth. And God, we thank you for your spirit that it may be felt by us. God, we don't have to have um, any man or any building or anything, God, to feel your spirit. But Lord, you're faithful and you're true to give us that opportunity. God, you're faithful and you're true to give us that feeling in our hearts. Lord, we love you, God. We thank you for all that you do for us. Pray for all the people that would listen to this sermon, God, all the people that would listen to this, this podcast, I pray, God, that you bless them. I pray that you bless our church. I pray, God, that you would fill us with your spirit. And I pray that you would bless our country. God, bless our leaders. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, just real quickly, want to mention um, we're very excited um, for what God's doing through our podcast. And um, I, I do enjoy the midweek um, Bible studies that we're doing. And um, we've had some friends on um, Brother Drew Rogers was on and, and preached, and we appreciated him, and, and Brother Tommy Landon was on last week, and so we're just thankful for that, and we had uh, Trent Hensley uh, on last Sunday, and so I'm, I'm uh, or previous to last Sunday, and so we're ex I'm excited to be back speaking and uh, appreciate the, the messages that they brought to us, but, um, but what I want to do, Lord willing, with this, this Wednesday night Bible study, I uh, really feel like uh, a specific uh, chapter study or book study um, would be really good. So God's kind of given me some messages from Philippians and Colossians, and so uh, we're we're going to have a guest um, over the coming weeks. Maybe uh, next week we'll have a guest preacher, but I'll, I'll probably also put the first message from uh, from that um, that study in Philippians. Um, on the podcast so we're just appreciative for that very thankful for that and thankful God's given us um, some messages from uh, some of those books of the Bible and uh, we do appreciate that so uh, we'll look for that here pretty soon 
and um, we're just excited um, about that. I really enjoy studying and preaching specific books of the Bible. Tonight, turn with me to Proverbs chapter number 5, as I've already mentioned. I want to look over there and uh, look at a thought that God had given me and something I'd been studying quite, quite a bit and uh, something that's just really stuck out in my mind. And um, so I want, to, I want to preach to you on the thought, uh, the danger of entertaining temptation. The danger of entertaining temptation. And so Proverbs chapter number 5, we'll go ahead and begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, and her steps take hold on hell. Now, I want to think about that for just a moment. That doesn't sound like a pretty picture. It doesn't sound like anything that is desirable. It doesn't sound like anything that, that I would want to, to deal with or anything that I would uh, want to, anyone I would want to be around. And I believe that's why the writer of the, the book of Proverbs, uh, Solomon, is telling us and telling uh, the people that, that would read to focus in on the wiles of this strange woman. And so I believe that she is an example of sinful temptations in our life, things that will come up to us and things that will be put in front of us that would seek to draw us from serving and living for God. She's an example and a spe very specific uh, parallel to the things that will come up in our lives that will try to beguile us. And the Bible says that we are all tempted uh, uh, we're all drawn of our own lust. We're all tempted in specific ways, and the devil knows what to put in front of you, and he knows what to put in front of me that would distract us and would distract uh, me and would distract you from uh, serving God and living for God. He knows exactly what it is that gets, uh, catches my eye and gets me distracted from the things of God, gets me distracted, distracted from the things that I need to be doing for the Lord. And I know that uh, as we come uh, uh, across different things in our life, many people use that as an example. Well, the old devil, he just knows exactly what to put in front of me that gets uh, gets me distracted and, and pulls me away from the Lord. But I would say that, yes, the devil knows and, and our own flesh knows and it desires those things of sin and it desires the things of the world. But even still, even while our, our mind and our flesh and uh, our body is pulling us to something sinful, we ought to recognize the signs of those things. We ought to recognize the, the, the temptations in our life so that we might not fall into them every time. Now, I'm not saying... And I would never say that we're going to be perfect. I would never say that we're not going to sin. I would never say that you wouldn't fall back into uh, something in your life that you had been beguiled at before. Sometimes we're weak and sometimes we fall uh, to different sins in our lives. But I tell you what, we ought to put forth a strong effort not to fall into those things. We ought to put uh, forth an effort to live for God and live holy and live a life that's separated unto him. And so we find here this, this temptation that is, is coming across. Uh, it's, it's presented as a beautiful temptation. It's presented as a sweet temptation. And it's presented as in, in exactly what our flesh wants to hear. That's what this strange woman is. She's exactly what our flesh wants. She's exactly what our old feeble body desires. She's exactly what we used to do. She's exactly what we were before uh, uh, God came into our hearts and into our lives. She's a distraction. 
But I'm going to tell you about this strange woman. I, I believe that she comes to us and she's presented to us as a beautiful thing. As something that, I, I don't want nothing that, that doesn't look appetizing. I don't look, want nothing that doesn't look appeasing. I, my, my flesh doesn't want anything that's just subpar. I have to have, if I'm going to be filled up with sin, if I'm going to be filled up with something that's ungodly, I need to have and feel and be filled with something that's beautiful. And let's read about this, this, this temptation, the strange woman. It says, the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. And so this strange woman, her lips, let's look first at, at the, the source of our temptation. For the lips of a strange woman, the source of temptation is oftentimes foreign. It's oftentimes foreign. It's oftentimes, we're oftentimes tempted with something, tempted with something that does not originate within us. That, that, that doesn't originate right here around us. Because the things around us and the things in us and the things that we see, the things we face on a day-to-day -day basis, they get old. That's the thing about being a Christian. I believe you'll find uh, the psalmist says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Because salvation is something, once it's in your heart, once it's in your life, you carry it. It's a day-to-day -day thing. It's a week-to-week -week thing. It's a month-to-month -month thing. Once you're saved, you're saved to the end. You're saved uh, to the uttermost, 100%. You can't lose it. So it's something that's part of you. And if you're not careful, the joy of your own salvation can get a little bit, uh, I guess, a little bit old. The new can wear off it a little bit. It, you, you, as you leave that day that you, you were saved, as you leave that day that you felt Jesus move into your heart, we get weary. It gets difficult. It gets tough. It, it, we, we, we get uh, uh, beat down. And we feel like, man, I'm, I'm just, I don't feel like I used to about church. I don't feel like I used to about praying. I don't feel like I used to about uh, reading the Bible. I don't feel like I did years ago when I first got saved. I remember what that felt like. I remember that renew, renewing in my heart. I, re, I, I feel the new. Uh, it's like you get into a vehicle and there's a difference between a brand new vehicle and a 15-year-old vehicle, unless you just absolutely don't drive it, leave it parked in the garage, vacuum it every day, it's 15 years from now. Daily usage, hitting potholes, running off the road, that kind of stuff that you face, that's going to be, or that's going to have wear and it's going to have tear on that vehicle. So, this v, so when we think about this vehicle, you get to that 15-year-old mark and you're sitting at a stop sign and there goes a brand new pickup truck down the road. They think, man, that's beautiful. Man, that's, that's something that I'd love to have. And before you know it, you're driving around to every dealership trying to find one. Before you know it, you're driving all over creation, talking to people and going to the bank and applying for a loan or calling your bank and applying for a loan. You're, you're watching videos on reviews on the website, on the Internet. You're reading about the warranty on the Internet, and you are just, just consumed with that specific thing. And all the while, you've got a 15-year-old vehicle that if you just wash it and vacuum it and clean it up real good, you'd be fine. I find that to be true in my life that 
in my walk that things wear on me. I overlook sometimes some of the old stuff, some of the things that, that I've gotten used to. And I see something that's new and shiny and, and, and I get distracted by it because I don't have it. I have, I have to go get it. I've got to make the money to get it. I've got to, got to have the credit to get it. I've got to do everything I can to obtain it. And this temptation from a foreign source, it works the same way. It doesn't swoop in necessarily when your salvation is brand new. But oh, as the days and the months and the years go on, and you're not on that spiritual mountain anymore, that's when this temptation moves in. That's when this temptation seeks and desires to get a hold of us. That's when this temptation is trying its very best to drive by and let us see it. All the shiny, all the nice, all the happiness. So what's this got to do with this strange woman? Well, that word strange, it means something that's unknown. Well, I don't like things I don't know. Yes, but if, if they're beautiful, if they're appealing, if they're appeasing to the eye, to the flesh, to the mind, if they reach down into us and grip something inside of us, you may know it, you may not know it, but you're drawn to it. This strange woman. I think about being in school, and I think about the times, and it would always happen like this, about the middle of the school year, that's about the time a new, a new kid would come to school. That's about the time that, that someone that no one knew Someone that, that no one had any idea about, didn't know their history, didn't know what they liked, didn't know uh, who they were, what their name was. That's about the time they would come to school. And about halfway through the school year, you have gotten yourself into a position, finally feeling like you, get the, you got this thing figured out, finally feeling like you made your friends and you're starting to get the attention of, of, of people in your class and you feel like you're starting to be popular. And then here comes this new kid moving in. And they come in and everybody's infatuated with them because they don't know their name. They don't know, they're wearing new, new clothes as they come to school and nobody knows their name, nobody knows anything about them, nobody knows their history. You've gotten tired of the people sitting to the right of you, you've gotten tired of the people sitting left of you, and you've gotten tired of the people in front of you, you've gotten tired of the teacher. This new kid comes in and it's like everybody is obsessed with that kid for a little while. Like everybody wants to be their friend. Everybody wants to get to know them. Everybody wants to, to go play with them on the playground. And unfortunately, those kids were, were there for a specific reason, not always a good reason, sometimes a legitimate reason, but not always a good reason were they there to begin with. But we've gotten tired of the other classmates. We've gotten tired of, of the teacher. We've gotten tired of this, gotten that. And here comes somebody that, it's completely unknown to us, and it just draws us to them. We're infatuated. We've got to figure all this out about it. You know, that's how sin does. When we're tempted, it's presented uh, from a foreign source. It's, it's presented, and it flashes by, and it looks good, and it flies by, and we want some of it. We want to know more about it, and before we know it, we're tangled up in it and so deep in it, we can't even, it, it's hard to get out. We're, we're in a web. We're tied up. That strange woman, she always comes by at the right time. Temptations presented as a foreign source, but then it's presented here. Look back in verse number three. 
It says, for the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb. I don't know about you, but I love honey. It's good. It's wonderful. I love going and getting it, get a spoonful of it. And I try, and I don't succeed, but I try to have some at least every day, especially they're, they're good for your allergies, especially local honey is good for your allergies. But I mean, if it wasn't good for anything, I would still eat honey. I, I love it. That sweet taste and the smoothness of that honey, it just fills me up with happiness. But if I ate that for every meal, I would be sick. It, it, there's, no, there's no true medical benefit of eating honey only for every single meal. But, and here we see where it's presented, this temptation is presented as fulfilling sustenance. As the, the words, the things that come out of our mouth they drop us in honeycomb. They're sweet. They're savory. They're good. They're smooth. This strange woman, she's persuasive in the things that she says. She's persuasive in the things that she, she does. And she will tell you anything you want to hear, anything she thinks you want to hear, anything that she feels like will distract you. That's what she's going to do. She's going to give you that honey. She's going to give you the, the, the sweetness. She's going to give you that, that ear-tickling uh, words that you want to hear. And that's the problem is when people get in to, to sin and they fall into temptation and, 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 and that strange woman passes by and they begin to get distracted and they begin to get off track and they begin to follow down uh, the road uh, of, of sin and they start falling in to, to her trap. That fluid or that uh, fulfilling sustenance, it's right there. It's available. It's like you get trapped and you get stuck and it's all good for a little while. And I'm telling you that you just, you can live off that honey for, for a day or so, but the longer and longer you go, you're gonna, your body's going to start desiring meat. It's going to start desiring water. It's going to start desiring milk. And before you know it, you've, you've gotten cavities and you've gotten uh, diabetes and you've gotten sick because that sugar is good for just a little while. It's good for just a little taste. It's good for just a, a, a small thing, but for a day, uh, for day in, day out consumption, it is not beneficial to your body. And that's how sin is. It's good for just a little while. The time that you're, you're, you're sinning, you're just living it up and you're happy and you're high as a kite, just feeling good. But as soon as you're done with that, if you are a Christian, if you have Jesus living in your heart, when you're done with the sin, I believe You've obviously not heeded the warning to get into that sin to begin with, but when you're done with it, you're left empty. We'll get to that in just a moment. For the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. She she's presented to us as a foreign source that's distracting. It's something new. It's something that, that's presented to us that, that makes us want to chase after it. It's presented as fulfilling sustenance. It's, it's, she promises and she tells us and she tells you that she can fulfill the needs of your flesh, of your stomach, of your mind, of your body. But then it says, 
Her mouth is smoother than oil. The bad thing about sin is you get down into it. Sometimes you realize you're wrong. Sometimes you think, man, I can't believe I got down that far. You realize that you've not heeded the warnings right here that we see. You realize that you've skipped over and went ahead and done something anyway. It's not going to sustain you. Living in, if, you're, if you're a Christian, you cannot, you cannot just live in sin and not be miserable deep down in your heart. But you find this fluid smoothness, and I, I believe that words are so dangerous. And I would say that when you get down in sin and you're in that pit in your life, there will be people that will talk you, try to talk you into staying in that pit. There are people that will try to talk you to continuing where you're at. In other words, there are people that will try to persuade you that what you're doing is okay. Hey, you, you fell a, a little bit here. That's all right. The Bible doesn't necessarily say anything against that. Well, you, 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 know, you, you said a little something here, and that's not that big of a deal. You didn't murder anyone. You're not a drunkard. You're, you know, you're not a, an adulterer. But it grows. And I'm afraid that the fall from just a little, a little cuss word or a little this or a little that or a little bad thought quickly, quickly snowballs into so many things that you never intended on getting yourself into. They, they just, if you don't, if you leave sin open and you don't repent and say, God, forgive me. I, I, hey, hey, I say things I shouldn't say and I'm, and I'm thinking, where in the world did that come from? I say, I think things that I shouldn't think or I see someone that, and I think something negative about them and I think, where did that come from? You got to realize that I'm 99.9% 100% flesh. Thankfully, the Spirit of the Lord moved in within me. But my, I, I'm still a human body wrapped up around my soul. And so what do, I, what do I expect when I have that bad thought? What do I expect when I say that little word that I, I didn't mean to say that I instantly say, Lord, forgive me. What do I expect? Where did, that, where did that come from? That came from my flesh because I'm still connected to it. I want to sin. I'm going to do wrong. I'm going to think bad thoughts or say something I, I shouldn't say or not even vulgar, just something that, that, that's rude or mean or whatever it may be. But I'm telling you that it's a gateway if it's left open. And there are those people in your life that with a very smooth tongue, they will say, well, that's all right. That's just a little sin. They will try to, they will try to take sin and compartmentalize it in multiple different boxes. So, well, you only opened the little box. You didn't open the big box. But sin is sin is sin. It's the same thing. I need the same forgiveness. Christ died on the cross for the, the man that tells the nasty jokes, he died on the cross just the same for that man as he did for the man that's the murderer. 
That, that was one of the hardest things for me to accept in my life is because I grew up, I was taught to be moral. I was taught to be honest. That was the, one of the biggest things instilled into me. Your life is always easier if you will just admit you've done something wrong, if you will just admit that you, you said something wrong or admit that you, you, you didn't think about a situation and just reacted um, at the drop of a hat. Uh, your life will just be easier if you're just honest, and it has been. But it was hard to train my mind that people who aren't honest and people who don't do things the way I would do them are the same as I. The saved person that would do me wrong, treat me bad, lie about me, Christ died for them the same he did for me. And there are people out there that in this very smooth way, they want to. They, that's, that's part of the distraction of this mo, in this modern church age of, hey, Listen, you're just in a little bit of sin. It, it's just small. It's really just the old timers that disagree with that. It's really just the old fogies that don't like uh, those kind of things. It's really just those old people that, that you know, those old-fashioned people that don't agree with that. And you'll have people invite you to their church to bring you into their church just to, just to feel the acknowledgement of, well, our church, we, you know, we, we have a lot of people from different backgrounds. Every church does. I think about our church. Not a one of us really came from a similar career path. Well, maybe, maybe a few, but more than a few actually. But what we've all done with our lives, our careers are different. Our interests are different. Our ages are different. But we have a connection spiritually that draws us one to another. I'm afraid what happens in this day is with a very smooth tongue, people want to convince you that, hey, you come here. We, we, we accept people that, that live in the, the, the life, lifestyle you've lived. Hey, you come here. We're open to that. Now, there's a difference between being accepting of sinners and being accepting of the world. I believe a church should be accepting of sinners expecting that God will change their heart. But I'm afraid that there are many, even churches, I'm afraid that socially, the way people are these days, that it's just you come as you are, we're going to love you as you are, unless you disagree with us. That's the mindset of people these days. And I believe that too many good church people have been taken out of church by their lust, by their flesh. They're not getting anything at home because they won't get one-on-one -on -one with God. They're not getting anything at church because they're in a church that, that, that doesn't preach the full counsel of the Word of God. And the friends and people they hang around with enable the sin in their life with a fluid smoothness flowing from their tongue. Temptation by presentation. That's what that strange woman, she brings this beautiful whatever it is in front of you. She makes it look like it fills you up and that you'll be able to live off of it, but you can't. And with a fluid smoothness, she tells you that everything's going to be okay. Hey, this person did, does it. This person did it. This person did worse. But let's look at, we've, thought, we've looked and thought about temptation by presentation, but let's look at the turmoil and the disappointment of this strange woman. Look here in verse number four, it says, But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. 
Her feet go down to death and her her steps take hold on hell. You will find in that strange woman a disappointing end. Her end's bitter. And it says it's sharp as a two-edged sword. When those friends that you thought, when you finally, when you finally get to your senses and you finally realize how far you've went, how, how wrong you've been, how much uh, uh, ignorant things you've done in your life as far as your, the temptations you fell into, when you get to the point where you finally realize, I need to get right with God, I need to get back with God, I pray that you don't find yourself in this position because that strange woman, she will take you to, a, to an end that you don't want. There comes a point in the time where the friends that you think are the closest friends will leave you hanging high and dry. There comes a point in time where the church people that used to be accepting of you will leave you standing out the front door of the church. They'll lock the door. They'll bar the windows. They won't even talk to you. They won't even speak to you. That's a pretty sad end. I'm afraid that there are families that the end is the best thing we can do is just not be around one another just not talk to one another I'm afraid there are marriages that come to an end and this strange woman she gets them all the way down to the divorce court and she just leaves I'm afraid that there are children that are taken from homes uh, because daddy couldn't get a hold of his uh, his alcohol problem and ended up beating on uh, the kids and up on the wives and I'm afraid that Facebook has, has driven a wedge between husband and wife and caused uh, people to, to get to know one another that they used to know back in high school and uh, old flames get fired up and people get split. And I'm afraid that this bitter end comes to many homes because you haven't heeded the warning of the Lord when he tells us and he tells you to to, to look for these signs in this strange woman. Look for these signs in this this evil day. And and I'm afraid that this end is bitter and it says that it's sharp as sharp as as a two-edged sword. You know what that means? It divides. It separates The two-edged sword splits homes, splits lives, splits spirits in half. I'm afraid that that disappointing end will leave you cut in two. And you look for that temptation back as it started and it won't be anywhere to be found. That is Satan's goal is to get you broken, get you bitter and get you split in half and then leave you hanging high and dry. You'll find a disappointing end. That's the danger of entertaining temptation. You'll find a disappointing end. But look at this. Next it says, her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. I'm afraid that the disappointing point here is a disappointing expedition. You get started in sin. You get started in ungodliness. You get started, uh, you know, kind of falling back into that old crowd you used to know. Oh, we're just going to, to see one another. Uh, you know, we hadn't seen each other since high school. And you get around some of those people. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be friends with people. I would never say that. But I am saying that some of the people I used to hang around, I don't care if they uh, walked up to my front door. I wouldn't leave my house with them because I know that they don't do anything but enable me to do ungodliness. And, I, and they don't do anything but 
encourage ungodly things in my life and I'm afraid that the expedition that this strange woman will take you on will take you to the point where you feel like you're literally burning up in your sin, you're burning up with ungodliness and I'm afraid that pieces of your spirit, pieces of your body, pieces of your heart are going to be strong uh, and thrown to and fro across the street down the road. I'm afraid that you'll be split, you'll be divided and you'll be hurt by the expedition that this strange woman will take you on. Her home is hell. The home of sin, the home of temptation is hell. Where do you think it circles back to? I had to ask myself that question. I had something that come up in my life and something I was thinking about and something that I had to separate from a long time ago. And in my mind, my little tiny mind, I thought, well, here's the pros and here's the cons. Here's the good, here's the bad. But then I thought about the expedition that that had taken me on in my life. It had taken me farther than I ever wanted to go. It had taken me deeper than I ever wanted to go. And that, that specific thing originated in hell, and that was its destination. All it was doing was turning around my way. That's where it was headed back to. That's where its eternal end was. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. You'll find a disappointing expedition with that strange woman. Look what it says next. I'm, I'm finishing up. Verse number six, lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. You'll find disappointing expectations. You know what we were just talking about, that fulfilling sustenance, how that, that honeycomb, how sweet sin, these temptations, they will make you think. I'll be all right. Those people I care about, those people I love, those people that love me, they'll always be there. I've been disappointed by many people. And I, I've disappointed people. I've let people down. And it grieves my heart to think that I ever have. That just is what it is. Unfortunately, there's things I can't redo. There's things I can't go back and, 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 and redo. I wish I could. But I tell you what, I can apologize and I can try to make things right. But we get this expectation of those people will always be there for me. My decisions will always be the way I feel. I found that to be one of the truest thoughts in my life is that I, the moment I make a decision, the moment I settle in my heart, this is how I feel. That's how I'll feel forever. And as I've gotten a little older, as I've went through different circumstances, I've faced different situations, I feel like that's probably one of the ignorant, dumbest thoughts I've ever thought in my life of, I'm making this decision today and I will always feel this way. When God moves into your heart and changes the way you feel about something, He shines the light on how small our little minds are. And He did for me, He has for me of, when you think about this and you think about how you feel about something, and when God shows you that you're wrong, I always go back to me deciding and saying in my own arrogance, this is what I believe and this is what I'm going to do. I tell you what, we ought to let God make our expectations. 
We ought to let God set our expectations in our life. Expectations can be a gateway into sin. It can be a, tempta a temptation in itself. People look and they see people and they look at all they have and they, they look at success and they look at houses and they look at cars and they look at different things and they think, well, I want that. I'm afraid young people look and they think, well, mom and dad are married. Mom and dad's got a house and mom and dad's got a, uh, dad's got a new truck and mom's got a car and They've got a camper and they've got a boat and they've got all these things and I'm afraid young people see that and they want to skip the 20 years that it took mom and dad to get that. They want to skip the 20 years of hard work and labor that, that it took to get that. They want to, want to come to church and they want to see a big building and, and, and unfortunately we've got people that, that come into church and oh well, I, well you know I want to, I'm, I'm coming in and I'm, I'm, I, want to be the, uh, I want to be the pastor. I want to be the song leader. I want to do this and I want to be, do that and they haven't seen the sacrifices of, of, of the, these little old ladies that stay up at night praying for their grandkids and their children they haven't seen the sacrifices of, of mamas and daddies and, and their, their, their humble prayer to God for them to take, for God to take care of their children. They haven't seen the labor uh, of, of church people to, to, to push to make things happen and get through difficult circumstances and difficult situations. I'm afraid that our expectations will take us to a point in our mind where we can literally be in sin. You can't walk in to a new job your first day and expect to be the CEO on day two. You can't walk in to a church and expect to be the head Sunday school teacher the next Sunday. You can't get married and expect that you're going to have everything mom and dad has the next week. There is time, there's effort, there's sacrifice that it took to get there to begin, to begin with. Our expectations take us to a deep spot. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life. The Bible says her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. We think we're so smart. We think, well, I've got this figured out. I've got life figured out. I've got uh, uh, my family figured out. I've got my marriage figured out. I've got the, just about the time I thought I had something figured out in my life. God showed me. No, you don't know anything about this situation. Just about the time I started feeling good about something. It's about the time something new, some new challenge arises in my life. Our expectations are a huge drive in our life. I beg you, let God set your expectations. That's the danger. That's the danger of entertaining temptation. We find the presentation of temptation. We find turmoil and we find disappointment. A sad end, a split end, a terrible journey when we fall into sin and temptation. We find expectations that are left unfulfilled. Anytime I've put my faith in anybody besides God, I've been let down. I pray that no one ever puts their faith in me because I'll I, I let them down. I probably already have, and, and if I haven't, I will. 
our expectations need to be governed, set, and established by God because this strange woman, her ways are movable. She's confusing. We can never pin down what she's doing. We can never pin down what temptation's doing. Like I said, you can be sitting there feeling good about your life, feeling good about yourself, feeling good about your spirit, and you see somebody walk into the grocery store that you don't like, and a bad thought come through your mind. Where did that come from? That came from flesh. My end, my expedition, my expectations are governed by what I let God do in my life. Entertaining temptation will not bring you any happiness, but I want to end this on a positive note. Look at the remedy for her poison. Proverbs 5, verse number 8 says, Remove thy way far from her, and come not near the door of her house, lest thou give thine honor unto others and thy years to the cruel. Yet lest strangers be filled with the wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed, and say, How have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof? Triumph over this strange woman. Triumph over your temptation. Triumph over your sin. Triumph over your end, your expectations. Triumph over that hard journey in your life by surrender to God. First, surrender by distancing from her. We live in the social distance world. I'm telling you, the sin, temptation, it's more than social distance. It is spiritual distancing. Spiritually, you need to separate yourself, and I don't mean six feet. I'm talking 6,000 miles away from temptation, away from sin. Temptation is always going to come, and, I, and I, I'll, I'll say that to kind of rephrase what I just said, but temptation is always going to come. We find Jesus was tempted in every way. Temptation will come when we're feeling good and we're, we're, we're spiritually happy and, and things are going good in our life and we're on the mountaintop. That's about the time temptation comes by. But I believe there are some temptations that I walk into. There are some temptations that I go seeking and go looking for. So distance from her. That strange woman, don't be afraid to walk away. Don't be, be afraid to run away. If it takes you running away, you big uh, hairy burly man, if it takes you running away and screaming like a girl, do it. That's how serious this is. Because there's lives at stake. There's, spirit, there's spiritual warfare going on. There's, there's souls at stake. There's more to this than, than just sinning and being filled for a little while and, and, and running back to it. I, I, I hate to see, it hurts my heart to see Christians who, are, who, who just have such a hard time. I, I feel for them more than anyone. Christians that just have such a hard time and just feel like one day they're up and one day they're down, just spiritually hurting. And I've got good, good uh, people that I've, I've run across in my life, people that I, I've talked to, and they, one day they're, they're feeling good, and the next day the devil is just, just destroying them and fighting them. And I've always felt like, man, I, you know, I feel bad for those people. But then I think about it and I think, that's, the, that's, what, that's my life. One day things are great. I'm on the mountaintop. And the next day here's, here's the devil trying to tempt me, trying to beguile me, trying to get something in my way. 
You can't help temptation that naturally just happens. You can't help how you handle it. You can keep yourself from it. But that temptation we walk into, hey, I've been burned by that strange woman. She's not new to me anymore. I know who she is. I'm going to distance from her. Next time she comes by, I'm going to keep myself away. I'm going to keep myself back. Distance from her. That's surrendering to God by distancing from her. But next it says, verse number nine, or verse number 10, excuse me, it says, yeah, verse number nine, lest thou give thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. I like that, that, that thought right there. And thy la- lest, lest strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. When you are living willfully, uh, openly in sin, you are literally stocking up the storehouse of the devil. You are literally enabling Satan to add to his machine of temptation. You say, well, I want to get over that. I don't want to do that. I think about it that way now. I don't don't want to do that. You can surrender by divulging your possessions. Because that's what happens. Anything you gain, anything you do, anything that, that comes to you, anything that you are blessed with as a result of the sin in your life, it's somebody else's anyway. Just let go of it. Just divulge it. Just say, hey, I don't want it. That's all you're doing. It says, "Strangers, be, let strangers be filled with thy wealth. Well, I worked for that. We well, work for something. I, I, I think about a man getting money from work, working hard, eight hours a day, working hard labor, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. It's hard to walk in on Sunday morning and give a huge chunk of that sometimes in your tithe. But I talked to a dear friend. She may be listening to this. Just this week we were talking about tithing and how in both of our lives God's worked through tithes in our life. Everything I do, everything I work for, everything I build up, it's somebody else's anyway. I think about my papaw, my, my dad's dad. I think about my papaw Glenn. I think about what he has said to me so many times over the years about the land that him and my grandmother own. He says, when I'm gone, I don't care what you do with it. It ain't nothing. It's going to be somebody else's, and then it's going to be somebody else's, and then it's going to be somebody else's. Just please don't sell it to the government. No, I'm just kidding. That's something he said, but... <laughs> But you know, it's so true. I've seen my grandparents work so hard for the land they have. Both sets of my grandparents work so hard for the things they have. My parents work hard for, for the things God has blessed them with, things they've been able to get. But, you know, I think about those examples in my life. And for our family, they'd give it all up because it's somebody else's anyway. My wife and I just moved into this new house. I really enjoy it, really like it, but one day we may sell it, but if we don't, one day we'll get old and we'll die. 
and somebody will buy it, and somebody will come in here, and every little detail we picked out, it may be even be on HGTV, I don't know, but they'll tear up the molding, they'll tear up the floors, they'll tear up everything we have done in here because really, it's not ours. We're just here for a little while. You can surrender by divulging your possessions. It's someone else's anyway. So you know what? All I've done, all I've gained, all that, that I have, have, have gotten because of myself, really it was just God blessing me to begin with. Give the, the, those things are someone else's. If you can give away what you yourself have obtained, God will give you more than you've ever needed. Finally, you can surrender We've talked about distancing from her. We've talked about divulging our possessions. But then think about this. Here verse number 11 and 12. And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof. In verse number 13. And have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined mine ear to them that instruct me. I think that Displaying surrender to God is greatly exemplified in distancing from sin. It is greatly exemplified in divulging our possessions for they're someone else's anyway. But this thought here is a game changer. Demonstrating repentance will allow you to triumph over the sin in your life. Hey, the danger of entertaining temptation, you entertain it, you end up in it. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we can step away, we can give away, and we can pray away sinful things in our life. And thou mourn at the last, with thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. Now this is speaking of someone who's been burned. They've been hurt. They realize the, the error of their ways. They're recognizing what they've done wrong, but it's too late for this person. It says, when thy flesh and thy body are consumed, that's when they're mourning. That's when they're repenting. In our lives, though, it's not over till it's over. And just when we think it's over, God gives another chance. So while this may not be exactly, uh, uh, exactly specifying and, and giving the example of repentance as what I'm talking about, but those words, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. That shows me that one of the biggest parts of surrendering to God and saying, Lord, take this sin from my life, forgive me, make me clean, bring me back into your fold, is demonstrating repentance. In banking, they train you not to say to anyone that you're sorry. You don't say you're sorry because you're not sorry. Just apologize to him. But when I stand before Almighty God at the end of my life, I'm sorry. 
There's not an amount of apologizing I can truly do. There's not an amount of anything I can do that can make up for me having to bow and confess for everything I've done wrong. And I'm sorry, and I can say it a million times, but I am, I am sorry, rotten flesh, kneeling before an almighty God. Why would I not want to do everything I can? I'm going to have a lot to confess about. I'm going to have a lot to be sorry about. I'm going to have a lot to apologize about. I'm going to have a lot to, to hurt about before God in the judgment. But if even with all that, he allows me in and I can get to heaven. A God that is loving and merciful. The Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Every. Not Gentiles, not Jews, not lost, not saved. Every. But a God that's literally going to put on display face to face, me and him, put on display my sin and then let me in eternally into his heavenly home. Why would I not want to do everything in my power to avoid temptation in my life. I can't avoid it, but maybe I can't be successful at, at, at completely avoiding it, but there's a lot of it I can avoid. He loves us. He, 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 he gives us so much more than we deserve. I know he has for me. And I want to just surrender to him. I want to say, God, I'm going to distance from the things that I know that draw me to sin. I'm going to divulge and give away all this stuff that I've got. It's nothing compared to what you can give me. And God, I'm going to apologize. I'm going to ask for repentance. I'm going to ask for forgiveness before it's too late. I'm afraid oftentimes that's where we begin to get in our prayer closet is when we've gotten our, ourselves into a mess. I pray that in your life, I pray that in my life, I can settle in my mind and settle in my heart that I would not be drawn and divided by that strange woman. That I would see her coming and I could step away. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. Thank you for the time together. Pray, God, that you would fill us with your spirit. I pray, God, that you would help us in all that we face. Lord, we just love you and we thank you. And we know that one day, Lord, although we will have to answer to you for everything we've done, God, you love us so much. Now, God, I can't even fathom in my mind to stand before you. But, Lord, I'm thankful that you accept me. Lord, I'm thankful that you forgive the sin in my life. And I'm thankful for your son, Jesus, who sits at your right hand and on behalf of me makes intercession. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all these people. Pray, God, that you would bless us all, bless our country, God, and bless our world. We're, 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 we need to turn to you. Everyone's looking in the wrong place for answers. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.